Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Off the Bench with Benny Johns. Yeah, great to have you with us. It's Off the Bench as we look back on another big week of sporting chatter. Plenty going on. Big news in Rugby Australia circles with the settlement reach with Israel Folau, the start of the Australian Open Golf. There's been plenty of great football through the week. Of course, the news surrounding the Socceroos and they're off to the Copa America next year. Premier League, NBL, NBA, A-League oh, and a little bit of boxing going on as well. So plenty to sink our teeth into. Great to have your company. Thanks for joining us. A little later, we'll also catch up with Sammy Highland from Racing Queensland. Get a big update as their summer series kicks off in earnest. And a Makita Power Player nomination not too far away. One of the great joys of our job through the week on Sports Day, myself, Gary Belcher, Scotty Sattler, is the occasions where we get to catch up with some former great names who either played or coached in rugby league in this country. And this man, Roy Simmons, fits both categories. A Panthers icon. We caught up with him to talk about his life and times in rugby league through the week. Here's part one of that chat. Done. The switch. Simmons. Simmons up the middle, Roycey Simmons! Simmons gets it! Great footwork! He will remember this for a long, long time. In his last game, he's looking to exit the code with this grand final. He grabs the try. He's played 238 matches with uh, the Penrith Panthers, the beloved Penrith Panthers. He's had 10 New South Wales jerseys in State of Origin, also 10 Kangaroo uh, Test matches and Speak none other than a very good friend of ours, Badge and mine, and also a really good coach in his day as well. It's Roy Simmons. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day, Royce. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Don't so, know why you had to play that game. So that's just ordinary game, that 91. That first game. try, he stepped past you, went straight <laughs> over the top of Lazo. <laughs> hey? He scored the last try around me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think like you ever beat twice in one game. How's life, Simo? Mate, everything's great. Can't be better. Everything's yeah. going along good. No, I'm just... Uh, I just work at, at Panthers. I, um, I run a, I run a, um, it was called a captain's club, which is sort of a networking club. We've about, got about 60 business in Penrith. I look after and take to games and, and take to various, you know, sporting events around and so on. So yeah, everything's good, mate. And you've actually got a building named after you as well on the site at Panthers. The High Performance World of Centre, Entertainment. No, no, it's called the Royce. <laughs> so how did that all come about? Oh, mate, it's a... It's uh, over 55s, uh, over 55s uh, living, uh, retirement living, and uh, mate, they did a they had a marketing um, a marketing uh, mob of people come down and, and they went around town asking questions of my name kept coming up, and so they went back to uh, uh, the Toolish family, which uh, who. Uh, who own it, and uh, they come and see me, and they said, look, we want to call it uh, the Royce. I said, well, so we had a bit of a deal. I went and had a look at a couple of other um, cases they had, and they were really top class, first class facilities, and uh, and this one's no, this one's fantastic. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Did they ask him, was, was, was the question, who would you like to have a beer with the most? 
Yeah, well, the Panthers. <laughs> could have been. <laughs> you still owe a few people a beer, don't be from ninety one, no, don't you, no, you reckon? No one in Penrith, mate. I've done better than <laughs> Hey Simo, you're born in a little town near Cowra called Goolagong. Now, outside of rugby league, what happened in a little town like that when you were growing up? Oh, mate, uh Used to live in a pair of stubbies, what they called stubbies back then. I don't know if you guys <laughs> remember stubbies, but I used yeah, to live in a yeah. pair of stubbies. No shirt, no shoes, and uh, uh, go down to the river and swim in the river and uh, go fishing in the in the river and, uh, you know, just... Uh, um, but the only trouble is I had to travel for all my sport. I had to travel either uh, over to Canoundra or up to Cowra. Uh, we had to go to high school at Cowra too as well. So... Um, you know, when it got to sort of sporting events and school and all that, we had to travel uh, by bus. Uh, but, yeah, there was, I don't know, seemed to be lots of things to do, mate. Get on your push bike and ride. Uh, bought a horse at one stage and it threw me off, so I sold it. <laughs> had, a motorbike not, had a motorbike not long after and it threw me off and I sold it too. It wasn't a real game on any. Anything that threw me off, mate, it wasn't a real game. <laughs> Obviously, your wife uh, held on to you. Roycey, hey, um... <laughs> Now, you, you end up at the Panthers, which is by, uh, as, as the crow flies, the closest, closest club to where you grew up. But did you, did you trial at other clubs? Did you almost become a, you know, a, another, a member of another club? Yeah, well, it would, for the older people, they'd remember from Goolagong, the little town where I, where I uh, live, there's another small, a, a bit bigger town where called Ugara which was a, years ago had a very strong rugby league side and blokes like Ian Walsh played for him and uh, a, and a bloke from Goolagong called Barry Beef. Yeah. Um, he played he played for them, played for Australia and everything. So I was a mad St. George fan when I was a boy growing up because Barry was playing for, for St. George and Ian Walsh was playing for him. And so uh, I was a mad St. George fan and Barry asked me to go down and, re- and trial for them. Must have been about 70... Eight seventy seven seventy eight. So I went out and had a trial with uh, Saints, and uh, you know the thirteen import rule was there at the time, so I wasn't up to the, that standard right then. So I come back, and then the following year I went down and I was trialling with South Sydney. I was living down at Coogee with some friends um, from Cowra, and uh, I was trialling with Souths. And out of the blue, Lenny Sacker called me up and. Uh, said, do you mind if I come and watch you play in one of the trials tomorrow for South? And I said, no, no, fine, come and have a look. So he um, he come down and looked at me and, and said, do you want to come up to Penrith next week and have a trial? And I said, well, you've got a game on tomorrow, haven't you? And he said, yeah. I said, well, I'll, I'll come up for that. So I, I come up and uh, he was recommended um, to me by Barry Rushworth, who played for Parramatta and he played in the 63 kangaroo side. So I played against Barry out in the bush. He was about 40 at the time, I think, captain coach of, uh, of Lifco, and um, he recommended me to Lenny. So Lenny had a look, and I went out there and, as I said, trialled the next day. And uh, after a fair bit of Lenny had to go back to the board and it was a fair bit of debating because they were out of money at the time. But So in the end, um, in the end, anyway, they ended up deciding to sign me. Give me a whopping four thousand dollars. <laughs> Wasn't bad money back back then, eh? Well, considering that was all on top of your other, everyone had another another job. Yeah, it was a fair backline, wasn't it? You, you mentioned some of those great old coaches, Lenny Stacker, who's a champion guy, and but one guy that you had at Penrith, Ronnie Willie, who was just a, an old fox, wasn't he, Ronnie Willie? And 
Um, there's a story you used to tell me, Royce, when I was at Penrith about Ronnie Willie and the toilet roll when he had to try and identify a player. Greg Alexander may have never played for Penrith if it was up to Ronnie Willie. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about Ronnie Willie's uh, methodology around the toilet roll? Well, uh, Ronnie um, Ronnie was uh, liked to play the game very tough, very aggressive. Uh, so obviously um, uh, he, he wanted to keep his eye on the players that they were putting in their best and playing hard and all that sort of thing. So if he if he thought some, he'd, he'd swap uh, every game a different player. But what he would he'd get the toilet roll out and he'd get Lenny to close one eye and look through the other look through the other one and study one player and not take <laughs> your eye off that player for the full for the first forty minutes. Then he'd swap over to someone else, you know, and uh, then he'd keep asking Lenny for his updates uh, uh, during the game. You know, how's he going? Is he playing tough? Is he putting it in? And uh, um, you know, today they today they actually got videos that sort of yeah. sit on. I know yeah, coaches player. have done that in the, in the past and sit on one player as well, and you pick them from week to week. But uh, uh, it's amazing how far the, the video has has come in the game and how it's all cut up now. People wouldn't believe uh, how it's all presented now. It's uh, that that professional. Yeah. Hey, um, amazing. Um win for the Panthers in that 91 grand final. Uh, what about for you, 1990, when uh, when you your first grand final, beaten by the Raiders? Um, can you highlight the differences between those games, maybe on the field or the emotion around it beforehand, afterwards? Uh, well, mate, well, probably 1990 um, got to the grand final and, uh, um, you know, probably on, you know, probably thought that was pretty good achievement and uh and and then when you get a chance to to sit on the middle of the ground grown men crying and you look up and you you boys are all collecting the uh, the trophy and, and you're a grown man and you're sitting on the, the footy field crying to yourself uh um when you get another opportunity <laughs> You don't want to go back to being mm. sitting there and watching people have a video and you're crying. I don't think. I think that's a good, uh, a, a, a good thing straight up. But uh, what I really enjoyed about the second year and winning the grand final is we beat one of the best sides I've ever played against or, or seen. So that was the the great achievement um, to get that done. You know, a club side. I don't think there's. Um, I mean, obviously, football is a a lot better nowadays than we were in our day, but at the time you were the benchmark, or Canberra was a benchmark, and and quite easily I think, and uh, we ended up beating beating you. So when you won, it was very very satisfying. Oh mate, and you and you had a big game, and and, and Greg Alexander and Mark Guy, what a team, Johnny Cartwright, and everyone played. Well, you scored two tries that day, Royce. I don't need to remind you that. Uh, my question is: Has Brad Clyde handed over the Clive Churchill Medal to you yet? From that day, he <laughs> no, won it well, in a losing no. team, which is a rare event. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, oh, but a champion, <laughs> mate, champion player, so can't can't win too much. But uh, you know, I, I really, if I look back at the two games, uh, I think the uh, kicking game, nineteen ninety, by Ricky Stewart was outstanding, uh, and uh, I think that set up, you know, set up. Uh, you win on that particular day, and and if I look at really game two, how Greg Alexander managed our team that game, 
on that particular day was outstanding too. Mm. He's kicking and he steering us around the park and all them sort of things. I think they were the two two men really that uh, you know had a big part to play in both both them games. What a star of a player he was. What a way to bow out to a premiership winner, Roy Simmons. We'll have more of our chat with Royce, talking about his coaching career, uh, both the coaches he played under and then his own crack at the big job a little bit later on in the program. We'll take a break here on Off the Bench. When we return, we're going to talk some cricket wrapping up the Pakistan series. Australia did that in Adelaide, a 2-0 series win. The Kiwis are out here next and we'll ask Mel Jones from SEN Test Cricket how excited she is about that. Uh, off the bench, stick around, more to come. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Off The Bench, right around Australia. Yeah, you are indeed. Great to have you with us. Uh, Benny Jones in the host chair. Roy Simmons, part two of our chat with the former Panthers star. That's coming up shortly. And a Makita Power Player will nominate someone who's excelled through the week in the world of sports. Uh, soon too, Sammy Highland from Racing Queensland stopping by. But right now, let's talk cricket with Mel Jones, part of the SEN Test Cricket Broadcast Team. Australia, far too good for Pakistan over two tests. The day-nighter in Adelaide, ending a day early. And Australia running out 2-0 series winner. We caught up with Mel to talk about that series and, of course, to look forward to what promises to be a cracking encounter over three tests with New Zealand. Now, Hot Topic Time. Hazelwood in and bowls to Musa. It's full. He keeps it out of the stubs. Oh, he's called for the single. Abbas, no. Oh, Abbas has been run out on a direct hit. They got completely lost. And Pat Cummins threw the stumps down. And with that, Australia keeps its perfect record in pink ball tests intact. Yeah, hot topic for tonight on Sports Day. Well, off the back of another convincing win for Australia in the Adelaide day-night test match against Pakistan, we thought we'd catch up with well, someone who was there to witness it all firsthand from SEN Test Cricket, thanks to Western Union, where you can send money around the world, and Henley Homes delivering value. Mel Jones joins us here on Sports Day. Welcome, Mel. Fellas, thanks for the invite. Were we anticipating, Mel, that Pakistan would be this disappointing? Um, I don't know if you go there disappointing or the fact that um, Australia has been really, really impressive. Um, I think from Justin Langer's point of view, there were so many good things coming off the, the back end of the Ashes, particularly around the bowling unit. Um, he would definitely wanted to see um, some consistency and a solidity at the top of the order from, from the batting side of things. And, and even though Joe, uh, sorry, Joe Burns didn't sort of come through with the goods uh, in the Adelaide test. He certainly did at the Gabba test. So putting on, you know, that 300, 350-plus score in the first innings um, just makes such a big difference. Um, so, you know, a lot of kudos needs to go towards um, the batting and bowling, maybe not so much the fielding effort of Australia over the, uh, over the two tests. Uh, and that just constant pressure makes it really hard for a team like Pakistan, who have young, inexperienced bowling attack, um, some new faces in their batting lineup. Just we never let them in the, in the door. You just touched on the fielding, and Tim Payne, the skipper, did uh, say after the match there were areas that he was disappointed in, and it's usually been a trademark of Australians, mm. Australians over so many decades. Is yeah. that the one area you feel as though that they need to brush up on coming into the, the test matches against the Kiwis? Oh, they're going to have to be switched on to the Kiwis, number two ranked side in the world. They're, they're primed for this series. It's one of the most exciting series I've looked forward to in, in quite some time. Um, so they're going to have to bring their A game, that's for sure. I think for the fielding, I mean, if you, you took out a couple of those howlers, um, you'd be reasonably happy. It'd be a pretty, you know, solid uh, fielding report. 
I, I think sometimes too, when you you focus and the discipline used so much in terms of the bat and ball, sometimes you can have just a couple of those little brain fades, which um, which certainly occurred. So the extra day off, a little bit of a refresh, there'll be a bit of a focus of it coming into the Perth Test, but they won't sort of, you know, they won't overcook it too much. The boys certainly know that they've got the um, the ability to um, to field sharply for the full five days. It must be enjoyable being there, especially when the home side plays so well. Mel, a day-night test. I haven't been to one. What's the what's your feeling on the day-nighters? Do you do you love them? And and the pink ball is it is it something that we got to get used to? Is it going to be here to stay? Yeah, look, I remember going to the first one at Adelaide, and as a just as a cricket fan, and absolutely loved it. I loved the the contrast of you know the, the stark white on the green with the lights. Um, you could the, visually you could see the ball well. There was certainly very much of a an event-type atmosphere, more so than your traditional day test. It was more about the cricket, whereas, you know, there was just stuff going on everywhere at the Adelaide Oval kind of thing. So, um, so was, you know, it, I suppose it also brings in a different crowd of, of people, um, mm. and that's what we want. We want as many different people sort of enjoying it as we can. Um, look, it's, I, I think it's here to stay for, for a while because, um, you know, there's all things about broadcast and accessibility for people to be able to come in and, and enjoy test match cricket there's still things that you know you, we're going to have to get right um just to make sure that there's a nice competition between bat and ball uh and that will be an ongoing process that's pretty much like the first time we used drop in wickets you know it took, a, took us a while to sort of figure those ones out as well and we're still working on that so um you know if we've got the formula right um you know i think it's a it's a it's a great concept what is it about left-handers we've got mark taylor uh, that, that amazing score that he made in 3.34. Davey Warner goes past him, <laughs> 3.35. Matty, Matty Hayden, Hayden. Record yep. 3.80. Brian Lara. Yeah. It's something about the left-handers. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a few corners that were debating about whether Tim Payne should have allowed him to go past the Don and Mark Taylor. What's your thoughts, Mel? Um, I know it was, it was weird. It was probably only 100 years ago we were trying to kill off all the left-handers, weren't we? Yeah. Now they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're written a bit. <laughs> Used to get the cuts at school if you wrote left-handed. <laughs> Um, look, oh, look I, I think from the Australian perspective, I you know had wasn't sitting in on any of those kinds of discussions, but I reckon right from the start. And de- declaration is always a tricky one. You never want to be that captain that that completely mucks it up for, for the team. Um, the whole discussion would have had Davy Warner, Tim Payne, Justin Langer in there talking about it. And if it was a time thing, that is purely down to to making sure that the team can win this series. You've got to remember too, Australia was went up in the ashes and then faltered at, at the Oval to, to letting them back in. It went to all and they just didn't want to, you know, with weather around and all those sorts of things, you know, have it give Pakistan a sniff or find that they've just lost a little bit of momentum coming into the New Zealand series as well. So all those things that have played out. As tantalising as it would have been for David Warner, he himself said that um, his previous high score um, when he was behind the double hundreds, that he had a, probably a better chance then to pass to do all his magic stuff and pass Brian Lara. So I'm tipping he's probably thinking he's still got another chance in the next uh, couple of years anyway. So you excited about the New Zealand tests? Yeah, massively, big time. Um, we haven't seen New Zealand. Wow, it's been a while. I think Danny Morrison was still playing. Back in those days, so, um, it's been a while since we've seen the mullet sort of flowing in um, with the classic um, side on swinging action. So really looking forward to I know people in New Zealand are as well. There's a you know, wonderful rivalry between the two countries. They are playing some excellent cricket at the moment and it's certainly not going to be easy. So it's going to be a real real challenge for the um, for the Aussie guys uh, and one that I think they look forward
forward to and hopefully it brings out the best in both teams. Perth Day night test, Boxing Day at the MCG and then the pink test in Sydney for the new year. It's uh, tantalising. We can't wait. The yes. Kiwis are excited as well. Mel, it is your day off, but we thank you when you're a highly sought-after voice in cricket. There's no <laughs> such thing as a day off. Thanks for That's joining right. us on Sports Day and looking forward to the Kiwi series and your work on SEN. Thanks again, Mel. Thanks, Mel. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Time for a Racing Queensland update. Summer Carnival? Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Yeah, introducing the all-new Queensland Summer 5. Get yourself racing. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Gee, this man likes his racing. Loves it, in fact. Sammy Highland joins us here on Sports Day. Uh, we're looking forward to this Tab Queensland Summer Carnival, and it's uh, continuing this week. Doombin, the venue, Sammy. Benny, it is hotting up week by week, and uh, yeah, we're just building our bank for Christmas, and then <laughs> uh, obviously we're loaded up for the Magic Millions in January. Can't wait for it. All right, the Tab Eagle Way. Let's start there. Race three. What do you like? What do you see? Could we see a future Queensland staying star here step out? I, I think so. It's a good field, and there's plenty of up-and-comers in this race. I like one in number three, Mashiki, 270 on the tab. You can get bolted in last start at Toowoomba over the mile. He'll love to step up in trip. Yeah, I think he's the one to be on. Okay, cracking races across the week, even on Saturday. Race seven, also a listed race, Sam, with the uh, the bribey handicap. Benny, they won't muck around in this. They will go like last week's pay, I can assure you. And I'm with the speed start, number four, Spurcraft. He's $4 on the tab. And word on the street is he's improved considerably from last prep. He'll take some catching in this race and he'll be up there for a long way. All right. And last but not least, we better finish up with the feature race on Saturday. It's the Tab Brisbane Handicap. And with all the good oil, Sam Highland, what have you got for us? The favourite in this race is the popular The Candyman. He's going to have a lot of fans, uh, this grey horse. There's no doubt going into this race. But I'm with one at a bit of value, and that's number 11, Prioritise. You can get him at $15 on the tab. This horse's two runs in enlisted races have been really good this prep. Third up, gets to the mile. I tell you what, he's going to be cherry ripe on Saturday, and he'll be hard to beat. Gee, you'll make some smiles on Christmas morning if that happens to salute Sammy. $15 prioritised. Check that one out. Of course, gamble responsibly, but the Tab Brisbane Handicap, just one of many great races this weekend in Dubin. And you've got, of course, the Tab Queensland Summer Carnival just going beautifully. All the details at racingqueensland.com.au. Sam Highland, thanks for your time on the show. Enjoy the weekend of racing, and we'll circle back to see how it all played out next Tuesday. Thanks, Benny. All the best, punters. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back right after this. It's time to nominate the Makita Power Player, Makita's cordless power garden range, the landscaper's choice. Yeah, the threat of sounding like a broken record. It was a pretty easy gig again this week. Makita's cordless power garden range and the power tools power through the toughest of jobs, Makita. When power means business, how could you go past Ash Barty? I mean, come on, 2019, she has dominated the year, arguably our sports person of the year, and certainly in the eyes of the tennis fraternity on Monday night, she was crowned for the third consecutive year the John Newcomb medalist for the best and most impressive Australian tennis player of 2019. Beat out a pretty good field too, the likes of Alex Dimonor, Dylan Alcott was there as well, Ida Tomlanovic, So some players that have certainly had some pretty solid years, but you can't go past the world number one. Four titles, her first Grand Slam, and of course that big one, the end-of-year WTA Tour event where she ended up racking up, I think, somewhere in the order of $16 in prize money. 
Good work if you can get it. Exciting summer ahead awaits Ash as she looks to get stuck into the Australian Open. Hopefully a big couple of months ahead for her, but she is easily our Makita Power Player of the Week. Makita's Cordless Power Garden Range, when power means business. Earlier in the hour, we heard from Panthers great Roy Simmons talking about his playing career. Let's go into the coach's box with Royce, both the coaches he played under and, of course, his own stint as the main man at the Panthers, amongst others. Let's find out how he assessed that part of his career. Roy Simmons here on Off the Bench. Give us an insight, Royce, into Gus Gould as a coach. He was still relatively young when he when he had you at Penrith as a as a coach. But give us an insight to what he's like behind closed doors with his preparation, the way that he prepares for a game and his players. Oh yeah, he's like super professional, and uh, you know, you know, led led uh, um, you know some of these things. You know, as far as breaking the game down, and you know, getting you the manage the game and get you the play. Uh, you know, a more modern sort of game, and the you know is right into obviously ball control and your ability to get repeat sets and and uh, things like that that you know people talk about today. Um, he sort of led led the way a little bit in in a few of them things. Uh, um, and obviously, you know, there was other good coaches around the time, and then uh, um, obviously, obviously there was Wayne Bennett and so on, and uh, and um, you know, Tim Shans. Uh, I've never had a coach, mate, where I haven't learned something, something from every coach I have. I've, I've learned something right from the first coach right through, you know. Um, there's uh, all coaches, you know, if you, if you want to learn and learn and chase things, you'll you'll find good information out of any, well, any of the coaches I've had anyway have all mm. been tremendous. Well, after you retired, after that grand final in 91, Royce, you Return to the Panthers in '94 as a coach was it sooner than you'd expected that you'd return to Penrith as a as a first grade coach? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, too early, mate. To be honest, I look back if I could change anything, I, I certainly I would have I would have went straight to someone like Tim Shearns and said, Tim, can I work under you for about three or four years before I coach? But it just how it happened. I got back there and I was coaching in England. I'll come back and. Um, Gus resigned, and uh, I just happened to be sort of I was just there, and uh, they sort of asked me to do the job, and and, and I did it because it you know it was something you dream of all the time you wanting to get in, but um, you know the, there's a chance to the coach the side in the town that you know I got had so much passion for and and, and so on, and um, but made it, yeah if I went back um, and had me time over again I would have extended my apprenticeship by another few years mm. when, you, when you did get to coach under Sheensy at the Tigers didn't you in the early 2000s well when they won the comp uh, through to when they won the comp yeah yeah got got well that's that's why I've used Tim as an example I mean yeah. I was pretty experienced at the time but I, I, I you know the first few years uh, I probably didn't get everything right you know later on when I was at Penrith I probably starting to get things a bit okay but originally when I started you know got a few things wrong and uh and then after I went and worked at, with Tim, I went, geez, you know, uh, you still got plenty to learn. You always keep mm. learning. And as soon as I got with him for the for the time down there with the uh, with the with the Tigers, you know, um, when I sort of finished there, that's when I was really very confident about coaching and everything. Then, from the coaching staff, or a, a, sorry, a, a conscious um, decision, the expansive style that you played in that year that you won the comp. 
Royce, was it a decision that you decided to, to change the game up, mix the game up and play uh, a lot more fast, free-flowing rugby league, which was really controlled because of the skill level, um, just to change the format of rugby league at that, at that stage? Well, I think um, we just sat down with Tim and that and just said, well, look, you know, you know, we've got this attacking potential and they're all young blokes, so to, to, to try to get them to manage the game like to 100% and get it all um, right down pat. We thought, well, let, let them play a bit. I mean, Tim's, Tim and, like, we talked and we said, like, yeah, um, you know, if, if you're scoring if you're scoring points, uh, that's what Tim said, if you score more points than the others, you win. That's what he said. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he said, you know, and it was a good point. He said, if you're scoring points, you're full of confidence. And if you're full of confidence, you defend well. Um and that's you know the things we used to talk about, and and uh, you know when you got a you know you got a bloke like Farrer and Marshall and Scotty Prince and uh, Hodgeau at fullback and them sort of blokes just you know brilliant attacking players and and the side was sprinkled with other younger like Liam Fulton, Bryce Gibbs they all come through together They're all, only young boys you know so um, I think to let them enjoy their game and not put too much pressure on them throughout the season. Uh, you know, was one of the one of the reasons uh, um, we did so well, and we and we did have a sprinkling of older blokes in the side too that you know could keep their heads on a little bit for them. Now, Simo, at the end of the two thousand three grand final, something that still still stands out for me is that the coach of the Panthers, John Lang, that night he acknowledged you and the work that you did at the Panthers before him, before he had got there and acknowledged that the hard work and the young players that you'd blooded in first grade that by the time he got there they they were ready to go on full cylinders. Was that something special for you that oh, a yeah. coach like John had acknowledged you on the work that you had done? Yeah, very, 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 um, you know, for him to think of me and then things sort of blew me away a little bit, you know, he's there, he just won a grand final and, uh, you know, um, so it sort of blew me away a little bit that he even thought of uh, my part. But uh, that's what I was talking about earlier mate when I first went to the club I think uh, you know um, there was we'd uh, I'd probably tried to bring a few players in from uh, other areas you know to strengthen the side up and then after a year or two I thought this is crazy I've got the biggest you know junior league in the in the world I just got to you know might bring in the odd player if you've got a position where you're a little bit down but generally we've got to get these boys uh educated and playing well you know so I employed a lot of ex-Penrith players um, and they come on from the young age of the 16s and 18s and 20s and I had them all uh, you know all ex-players that I knew were very loyal to us and would stick by us and and all them and once a week we'd bring the mother the younger grades up to, to train with the first grade side you know on, on skill nights uh, and then, then coaches took them skills back and run them through the through the week and so on. Then they'd come back next week. Sixteens would come back next week. Then the eighteens, then the twenties, and um, so for them young blokes to be trained with the, uh, the senior blokes on school nights and that, I think, you know, help bring a lot of them young fellas on. That uh, uh, yeah, so that's um, I think that's what he sort of met just the help with bringing a few juniors through.
Yeah, no, you did a terrific, terrific job in um, in all the clubs that you coached at. And Royce, I know that Badge says you're one of the best tourists of all time. Oh, hey? champion. <laughs> Up all night, hardest trainer the next morning, just non-stop. Uh, yeah. Used to have a couple of mate on the hot day, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> Loved it. Hey, listen, we could sit here all night and, and talk about um, your career, Royce. And uh, thanks very much for joining us on Sports Day and, uh, and look forward to catching up very soon. Thanks, boys. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Off The Bench, right around Australia. Yeah, welcome back to the program. Hope you've enjoyed the last or best part of an hour or so talking all things sport. Before we finish up, let's talk boxing. Less than two weeks now until Jeff Horn jumps back into the ring to take on Michael Zarafa, the man who in August knocked him over in Bendigo more than once, in fact, and took away what many thought was Jeff's natural progression through to maybe another world title fight. Well, the rematch is on December 18 in Brisbane. Myself and Scotty Sattler, we caught up with the Hornet to find out how the preparations are going, oddly enough, right after he stepped off a basketball court doing a little bit of work alongside the Brisbane Bullets. Like I said, he'll find out on the day. I'm so confident. And, you know, like I said, we're working on things. I'm super strong. I'm hurting people and sparring. I'm just another beast, literally. And when I'm confident, I can't be beaten. I'm mixing it with light heavyweights. You know, like, I'm on another level. It's not a rematch. It's just a replay of the first fight. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely the underdog for this one. There's no way anyone could take that, that first fight away from Michael and what he deserves. So he deserves to be favourite. Um, and he's confident now, which he should be. So um, everything to him. But um, I'm happy being underdog. As you said, I've fought my best, best fights as the underdog. And coming in as that is not going to bother me at all. Joining us on Sports Day, great thrill to have uh, one of Australia's most talented athletes. Of course, he's got a big date coming up December 18, the rematch against Michael Zarafa in Brisbane. We're going to talk a little bit about cross-code and basketball and his involvement there as well. Jeff Horn joins us on Sports Day. G'day, Jeff. G'day. Mate, uh, the Brisbane Bullets, and you had a bit of a training session earlier today. How'd that all come about and what was involved? Yeah, I did. Um, the guys just came to watch my session. I uh, came to punched the bag a little bit and um, I got involved with that a little bit. I'm thinking with the basketball players over six foot three, six foot four, they'd have a fair reach, Jeff. Yeah, there's no there's no way that really I was getting in there and sparring with those guys. <laughs> I just have to hold their arm out and I'd have to take a few minutes to get in there. Yeah, the whole hand on the forehead one. But now, of yeah. course, it's, it's been only three months ago since your first fight against the Rafa when the wounds healed and... Was it always on your mind to get this rematch as quickly as possible for December 18? Look, it didn't happen instantly. I was, I went into, uh, what would you call it? I don't know, go into hiding for a little bit and you just try and flick your wounds and figure out what the next move is. And that's when I really got the itch. And I was like, no, I really felt like I could have done a lot better in that fight and I want to have the rematch. Do you expect a different opponent with Zarafa this time or do you think it'll just be the same style? I think he'll be very similar to what he was the first time. Uh, he might be a little bit better because he'll have a lot more confidence this time going in. But um, I'm I'm firing on all cylinders and training and, and making sure I'm doing the work that I need to do to get the win. How's the weight been, your own weight leading into the fight? Have you had to strip too much at all? No, not really. I'm not concerned about weight at all. Um, I'm easily going to make the limit of 72.5 for this one. Normally I'm cut to 66.5, so I've got a, a few more kilos to play with there. 
Jeff, there was a bit of talk, uh, obviously, off the back of the first bout against Zarafa about maybe maybe your mindset and, and the training regime leading into that fight. And, and I know that your trainer, Glenn Rushton, said that this time around, there'd be no cutting corners. It would be as full on as ever. The eye of the tiger was back, mate. What have, what have been the main things you've focused on uh, maybe you didn't do in that first preparation? Look, I'm just smashing training at the moment, making sure I'm doing some short, sharp sessions and getting the most out of them. And doing the three sessions a day at the moment and uh, they're all tough and uh, it's getting me prepared for what I'm going to need to do in the ring against the rapper. Many keep forgetting, Jeff, and I had to remind myself just only moments ago before we got you on the phone that you're still only 1920 fights into your career. So in a sense of, of, of boxing um, intuition around the ring, you're still relatively relatively raw when it comes to how much success you've had so early on in your career. Yeah, you, you're testing me with my knowledge of how many fights I've had. I can't even remember how many that's been now. But, um, yeah, there's definitely fighters out there that, that are in their 50s and 60s mm. of number of fights. So there, there's still heaps of... Um, time like I could keep boxing if I wanted to doesn't doesn't really matter so I have got the time on my side I'm still pretty young when I'm 31 years old so uh yeah we'll see the last fight was in Bendigo as a foreign territory for yourself how much does the hometown fight and fans assist you going this this fight especially with your preparation and those those natural surroundings around you yeah I love fighting in Brisbane I love fighting in my hometown and having that home support and being able to drive from home to the fight. And um, it's just exciting. And I've had all my massive fights in that way and I've done really well doing it. And I guess that was the thing that kind of made me go, no, I really want to fight Brisbane the second time and, and force him to come out of his home territory and come to mine. Hey, uh, I mentioned your trainer, Glenn Rushton. He has actually uh, ducked over to the States. He's uh, helping Dennis Hogan. Yeah, He's got a big, fight. a big world title push coming up. Uh, but again, uh, while the boss is away, I'm sure it's uh, still very diligent on your end and he'll be checking in regularly. How's that communication been? Yeah, very good. Glenn's got a lot of eyes here. Um, <laughs> still watching me, so uh, still going to make sure I do all the work and do everything to plan and um, that's exactly what he'll want being done uh, while he's away. And I really wish Dennis Hogan the best of luck. He's got, got a massive fight over there against uh, Jamal Talo in, in New York, but uh, hopefully he can get the win over mm. there. Now, just to finish off, Jeff, before, and thank you very much for joining us on Sports Day. It's much appreciated your time. We know it's precious, but last Saturday night in Brisbane, we saw the last fight from Anthony Mundine, defeated by John Wayne Parr. And we know that you um, you defeated him uh, some time ago, but uh, now that the dust has settled, I, I suppose as Australian sports sportsmen and women, and and of, as a lover of boxing myself, we sit back and we we've got to respect the uh, the journey that that Anthony Mundine has taken. Yeah, look, it was uh, it, was, it was a big last fight for them last week, and Mundine did okay. Probably not the best he's, he's done, and um, he got the rounds out anyway, and uh, went up against a big puncher and. Just, just lost some decisions, so good on him for the career that he's had. He's, he's been a massive um, person in, in the sport, and he should be congratulated for what he's done. He's, he's a champion. Yeah, well said, Jeff. Uh, just finally, too, um, any chance uh, if, if, if boxing finishes up in the next couple of years, you might turn your hand to basketball. I know you don't have the height, but did you learn anything, <laughs> from the, anything from the Bullets boys today if they're looking for a small point guard or something like that? Uh, I would say there would be absolutely no chance probably of that happening, <laughs> even though it's, it's nice and safe and if somehow I could grow 
a thousand times my skill level now, <laughs> yeah. probably a million times, uh, then maybe I would, but there's no chance otherwise. Yeah, hey, what, Jeff, what, what's <laughs> harder, boxing or fatherhood? <laughs> <laughs> it depends what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Very diplomatic answer. Hey, Jeff, thanks again for your time. Uh, obviously, a bit of fun with the Brisbane Bullets boys today. Glad that all went well. And only a couple of weeks now until this big rematch against Michael Zarafa. Continued good luck with the preparations, mate. And uh, we can't wait to speak to you again, hopefully, after a, a big win in a few weeks. Thanks very much, guys. Hope so. Jeff Horn there. That's it for Off the Bench. We'll catch you same time next week. Thanks for your company. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Have a great weekend. See you soon. This is Off the Bench. We'll be back right after this.